0: It's the Sleep Well, Stay Well podcast, here we go, with Malia Jacobson as your
1: host. Hello, and welcome to Sleep Well, Stay Well, a podcast about the intersection of our sleep, our immune system, and our health. I'm Malia Jacobson. As a health journalist, sleep coach, and author, I've contributed to women's health, Runner's World, The Washington Post, Today Show Moms, and over a hundred other publications. For my first episode, I wanted to address something we're all dealing with right now, and that's a big change to our daily schedules and routines brought on by COVID-19. As a result, some of us are sleeping more, some of us are sleeping less, and as we'll talk about later, the change isn't great for our immune health. My guest is someone who is just the person to address this topic because he's not only a sleep expert, he's also an expert in the circadian rhythm or body clock. He actually wrote an entire book about how we can keep our body clocks on track. This is an expert I've interviewed many times over the years for articles in women's health and most recently runner's world. His advice is always spot on. Dr. Michael Bruce is a clinical psychologist and sleep specialist, probably best known as the sleep doctor on The Dr. Oz Show, but you may have seen him elsewhere. As a sleep expert, he's contributed to or been featured on CNN, Oprah, The View, Anderson Cooper, Rachel Ray, The Doctors, The CBS Early Show, The Today Show, and Kelly and Michael. He's the author of The Power of When, Discover Your Chronotype, and The Best Time to Eat Lunch, Ask for a Raise, Have Sex, Write a Novel, Take Your Meds, and more, and The Sleep Doctor's Diet Plan. He's a diplomat of the American Board of Sleep Medicine and a fellow of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. I'm very excited to have him on my first episode to talk about how we can create some calm in the chaos we're all experiencing right now. So let's get him on the line. Dr. Bruce, thank you so much for your time today. Um, How are things going for you right now?
0: Things are great. Um, uh, I can honestly tell you I'm practicing social distancing. I'm doing all of the things that we're supposed to be doing these days. Um, And sleep is really at the forefront of a lot of people's minds because sleep has such a direct effect on immune system and immune function. So um, to be fair, I'm busier than ever trying to get the word out. And so I'm really grateful that you're having me on your podcast so that we can educate your listeners about the importance of sleep. So thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much for being here. And same here. I am, am working from home. But busier than ever, so all of these posts about, you know, what to do with all the extra time you have. I'm like, what extra time? <laughs> I just, right. I don't have a lot of extra time. I'm busy. Um, but I, I really am glad to have you with me today, and I wanted to bring you on specifically because of your expertise um, in the area of circadian rhythm and keeping our sleep schedules intact um, during a time when we're really processing just a monumental amount of change, yeah. um, and the coronavirus is really affecting everyone. You know, we are all in this together, but it is affecting everyone in a unique way, depending on, you know, your caretaking responsibilities, whether you have kids at home, whether you're caring for um, parents or relatives who are sick, what kind of industry you're in. Um, The one constant that we're all dealing with is change. And, you know, our bodies don't really like change, especially when it comes to our sleep health. Um, and your book, The Power of When, really goes into a lot of detail about how important it is to understand and really honor your own body's you know, unique circadian rhythm and what can happen when things get off track in that area. And the book has been so helpful to me. Um, I read it and passed it on to my husband to read as well. And the book details the different chronotypes that align with our different body clocks, um, that we all might have, and it goes way beyond like the standard night owl or early bird. Um, I, I can't remember. I think maybe there's six different types. Um, uh, and I'm a dolphin, um, married to a bear um, <laughs> and it's really helpful to, I I'm, There's a free quiz that you have that's pretty fun that people can learn their own type. And I'm really glad that I knew my own type going into all of this just massive schedule chaos because I think (laughs) it helped me to stay on track a little bit with my sleep um, or it enabled me to at least know enough about my own circadian rhythm that I could easily get back on track. It's, I think, important to have a baseline that we can get back to is that um does that kind of align with what people are telling you about um, disruption that they're experiencing in their sleep just in the past month or two well
0: it's been i'll tell you something Millie it's been really interesting um we seem to have a couple of different people that are doing different things so some people have just kind of tossed you know their schedule out the window and um, because they don't have to commute and get dressed and all of those things there they're not really paying attention to their sleep and unfortunately that's having some pretty severe consequences um we've got other people who are leveling up and saying how can i be better at sleep how can i improve my sleep um you know dr bruce let's let's learn some more information i've got more people taking my courses now than ever before reading my blogs so I think there's really kind of two two people out there and I would argue that the people who are leveling up are the ones who are saying wow this is an opportunity for me because you know never in our recorded history did we ever have a scenario where so many people didn't have to go to work all of a sudden. So that constant of, I gotta be in my car to get my commute down, to get at the office, to show my face is never, uh, we've never seen anything like this before. And so this is, this is the opportunity to catch up on your sleep. This is the opportunity to, to improve because we're gonna get out of this thing. I mean, it's not, it's not gonna take us that long to do it. And when we do, and we get out on the other side, I'd love it if people were well slept and ready to meet the day because we're going to we're going to need that energy level to, to move forward with our
1: lives. Yep, absolutely. And I think that one of the things that I think is so interesting right now is we do all have this opportunity to rest once you take the commutes and right. early school times and all of that out of the picture. But I'm hearing so many people that are struggling with yeah. insomnia. They can't get to sleep at night. They're anxious. And so then sure. and, and then you also feel this pressure to use this time that we have wisely and to do something productive and to get your rest. And of course the importance of sleep to our immune health. So that is what I wanted to talk to you about before we get too much in detail with Um, sleep schedules and sleep routines. How does, can you just talk a little bit about how sleep affects the immune system and why that's important as we're all trying to be our healthiest right now?
0: Absolutely. But I'm going to, before I talk about sleep and immune function, I also want to address the issue that you brought up, which is anxiety and uh, insomnia, difficulty falling asleep during these times. We're definitely seeing an increase. There's no question about it. Um, We're seeing people who are they're worried, right? They're worried about their futures, their careers, their finances, their health. So here's the problem is when you go from one Zoom meeting to the next all day long, you really don't have a chance to think. And only when you lie in bed, when the light is off, all of a sudden, all of those thoughts come flooding in. So it's not a particularly big surprise that we're seeing um, people leveling up on their anxiety. Uh, we, We wish they wouldn't, but we know that they are. Um, And and I can tell you that I've seen that because I've uh, literally this week and it's only Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, rather, I've already had four interviews about how to cope with anxiety before bed during COVID-19. So I I would argue that there's a lot of people out there that are thinking about that now transitioning. Over to, to immune function and sleep and helping, edu- helping educate people and hopefully lowering the fear that people have. Let's let's just talk about sleep and immunity really quickly. I mean, at the at the end of the day, sleep is vitally necessary for your immune system to run as efficiently as possible. One of the things that sleep does is it actually increases T cell, killer T cell production. Now. To be fair, if you haven't taken high school biology in a long time, you may not remember what killer T cells are. These are the white blood cells that actually play a very critical role um, in your body's immune system and its response to things like viruses. The problem is, is that when people become sleep deprived, let's define that very quickly is sleep deprivation is individual, right? So if I sleep six and a half hours and you sleep six and a half hours, I might be fine and you might not be so good. So it has to do with not just the quantity, but the quality of the sleep that you're getting. We we see that if either one of those is in play, T-cells stop responding efficiently, and it actually makes it more difficult for the body to fight back against illness. It's not the only area um, that sleep has an effect on the immune system. We also know that um, your immune system response time is actually improved by getting a good night's sleep. So getting through all the sleep cycles, you're actually supporting the release and production of uh, a cytokine, which is a protein that can be very helpful in immune system functioning. Um, And then the third thing is there was a great study that was done um, last year at the University of uh, San Francisco, and they discovered uh, this was fascinating. So they had people who slept really well, they gave them the flu shot, and then they exposed them to the flu. And then they had people who didn't sleep well, uh, exposed, gave them the flu shot and exposed them to the flu. And what they discovered was people who slept well, almost nobody, got the flu, but people who didn't sleep well, the vaccine didn't work as well. So when we're talking about the future of COVID and we're looking for vaccines, everybody needs to make sure that they're getting uh, high levels of sleep prior to taking the vaccine uh, to hopefully increase its level of effectiveness. Does Does that make sense?
1: Yes, thank you. And I'd heard that as well. I think that's so fascinating with the vaccines and the effectiveness. Um, and that does represent just a huge um, area that's so important for people to think about as we do look at vaccines. And that's what everyone hopes for. But one one way that we can make the vaccines more effective is making sure that we're rested. Um, so, but it is not just how much sleep we get. It's when that sleep is happening.
0: Well, and the when is what gives you the quality, right? And so that's the thing that's so fascinating. So as an example, um, as many people know, I'm a night owl or what I call a wolf. And, um, here's the thing is if I try to go to bed at 10 o'clock at night, I'm literally going to lie there and just get pissed off, right? Because I'm not going to get, my body is not ready to sleep at that time. If I go to sleep when my body is ready based on my chronotype, and for folks out there who don't know what your chronotype is, if you go to chronoquiz.com in literally two minutes, you'll learn what it is. But it it helps you evaluate if you're an early bird, a night owl, somebody in the middle, or somebody with insomnia. Once you know that and you go to sleep when your body wants to, not only do you need less sleep, but the quality of that sleep improves dramatically. So it's it's actually quite interesting if you figure out the when, which is something that we give away for free um, on the website from taking the quiz. It actually turns out to improve the quality of your sleep literally almost overnight.
1: Right, it is so important, and I've experienced that in my own life. Just paying more attention to when that sleep is happening, um, but when you take the current environment that we're all in, where people have the opportunity to sleep later in the morning, maybe they're napping during the day. Um, As you mentioned, people kind of throwing the schedule out the window and just catching up on their sleep. Sometimes that can backfire, right?
0: It absolutely can. So one of the things people have to do is they must stick to their schedule. One of the things I've been talking about with many of my patients and my friends is if you used to have a commute Maybe you use your what would have been your commute time as your time for exercise and meditation, right? So split that hour long commute up into a 30 minute exercise and a 30 minute meditation. um, Take a quick shower and be ready, you know, at your home office desk for work. Uh, these are ways that we can continue to work on it and and keeping that schedule turns out to be very, very important and avoiding extra napping actually is equally as important because here's what happens is you go from zoom call to zoom call to zoom call, your eyes start to hurt. And then you're like, I'm just going to close my eyes, lie down on the couch for a second. All of a sudden it's 30 minutes later, you wake up, you feel like crap. Um, And you've also lowered the amount of sleep drive that your body has. So it's going to be equally as difficult, if not more difficult, to fall asleep that evening. So I can't say it enough. Keep your consistent schedule. If you got up before COVID at 630 in the morning to get ready, do it. Do it during this period of time and take that commute time and use it for self-care. Use it for um, making sure that you're having, um, if you're if you're a breakfast eater, that you have a good breakfast. I mean, all of the things that you could have skipped out on before, now you've got some extra time for. I would say do it, and again, try to avoid the excess napping. Um, that's only going to mess up your sleep in the long run.
1: Right, um, and I want to dig in a little bit deeper mm-hmm. when you talked about um, the sleep quality. I yes. think. One of the things that um, you and I most recently collaborated on was a feature for Runner's World yeah. on slow-wave sleep. And I think I've been working in this space for over a decade now, and it wasn't really, honestly, until I really delved into the research around slow-wave sleep, which is our deepest and most restorative stage Correct. of sleep, Um that I really decided to narrow in on my own sleep wake-up time. And really, it really drove home for me the importance of maintaining a consistent sleep schedule and how that impacts our sleep quality and the way that our sleep stages unfold. Um, can you talk a little bit about that um, in terms of um, really what does high quality, when people say high quality sleep, good sleep, deep sleep, like what does that what mean? does that really mean? and how does maintaining an, an appropriate sleep schedule um, affect your, your slow wave sleep and how rested you feel?
0: Sure, sure. So here's the thing that happens, and I'll be honest with you, I was shocked. I had no idea this was gonna work this way. I started working with high-performance, uh, as a high-performance sleep coach about three or four years ago. And, um, cause I had gotten requests from athletes and a lot of CEOs and those types of people, type A's if you will. Um, And they were like, Michael, we need our sleep to be more efficient, we need to get higher quality, how do we do that? And so the first thing I said was, you got to sleep on your based on your chronotype, um, because it made intuitive sense to me. And that's what the research would bear out. What the research did not show me, but did appear to happen is after about almost three weeks of consistently sleeping within the chronotypical time frame so again if you're an early bird then you were waking up early going to bed early if you were a night owl you were staying up late and sleeping late um, there was a there was a condensed um, uh, in terms of the number of minutes of sleep so um, the the assumption then became well maybe people are sleeping for seven eight nine hours in order to get a good core time because they're not sleeping at the time of their chronotype. So we took these people and we moved them outside of their chronotype and sure enough, their sleep uh, period extended. So the first thing that I discovered was, is when people sleep at the time that their genetics have asked them to, you actually become more efficient at it. So then we started to look at the actual sleep itself and sure enough, we started to see an increase in stage three, four sleep. So the consistency, and I can't place my finger on the exact mechanism of action, to be fair. I can't tell you exactly why. I can tell you what I've observed, and I can tell you what I've seen work, and I've been able to replicate it on numerous occasions. Um, But I'm not 100% sure why that is, other than when your body knows what it's supposed to do, and it's ready, you know, functionally to do it then it allows for this efficiency that I, I would argue is gonna come in. I mean, historically, when you look at the body, it's naturally one of the most efficient organs uh, in the in the known universe, um, especially the human body. So I would argue that that's, this level of consistency allows for efficiency, if that makes any sense.
1: Yes, absolutely. And our bodies really want to have the sleep stages play out in the correct order in the way that they're supposed to. And when we allow our bodies to rest at the right time, it appears that that those cycles take place the way that they should. Um, And when we're tired or when we're um, overtired, I should say, or sleep deprived, um, then the body will compensate in the first couple of nights by by changing the way that our sleep unfolds. Um, But after that, it really is just um, a matter of staying consistent. Um, is that a correct read?
0: That's correct. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, A little bit about the importance of the morning wake-up time. I think um, (laughs) as I've talked to people about sleep over the years, um, everybody, of course, focuses on bedtime. When you think about sleep, and people think, okay, fine, I'll go to bed early tonight. All right, yeah, I'll get my bedtime, um, you know, straightened out. I'll get my kids to bed early tonight. Well, everyone focuses on bedtime um, uh, when really it's the morning wake-up time yeah. that sets your schedule. And if you could, I have found for myself that when I fall asleep is not so much in my control. I mean, I can, I mm-hmm. can put myself to bed, right. at, you know, at a time when I'm tired and I can kind of optimize that. Um, for the best results, but it doesn't always happen the way I want it to. But what I can control is when I get up. And if I'm just going to focus on one thing, focusing on when I get up or maybe when my kids get up, um, if that's what I'm focusing on, is uh, really the best use of my time and energy because that really sets the stage for um, the whole day. Yeah, the whole day and a better bedtime too. Can you talk about?
0: Absolutely. So the science, is, the science is quite clear, is when you open your eyes, um, it, the timing of opening those eyes um, will receive blue light. So remember, we don't like blue light at night, but we love it in the morning because the wavelength of light, which is considered blue, which is 460 to 480 nanometers, um, which is in all observable light, when it hits your eye, you actually have a special type of cell in your eye called a melanopsin cell. And this takes a signal, it sees that blue light, and then sends a signal to your brain to turn off your melatonin faucet. This helps clear the cobwebs, this helps get rid of that brain fog and it helps kick off multiple hormonal processes in the body that cannot occur while melatonin is still being produced. So the wake up time being consistent is literally like a resetting of the clock every single morning. And when you change the timing of that resetting, the brain is trying to predict it um, because it's trying to look ahead to see what the next step is. It, It makes it difficult. So again, keeping that level of consistency to allow for this melatonin production to stop, which will actually stop the sleep process. And so by doing that consistently, consistently, consistency, consistently, what ends up happening is people will start to wake up three or four minutes before their alarm. If you find yourself having such a consistent schedule that you no longer need an alarm and can wake up without one, and waking up at a time that you want, you've nailed it. You've figured out your schedule,
1: right? And I think what um, the this kind of shift that I made was mm-hmm. in realizing that it wasn't; it was less important for me to be in bed for maybe seven or preferably eight hours a night, that was less important than being consistent Correct. because of the efficiency that you mentioned earlier. absolutely. Um, and so what I would do is as a parent or a runner or a busy person, I would try and make up sleep when I could right. by sleeping in on the mornings when I had the opportunity, because right. You're thinking, well, I got to scrape together my eight hours somehow, yeah. or I have to scrape together these seven hours And so if that means I have an opportunity to sleep later on this morning or I have an opportunity to sleep later on this morning, I'm going to take it. But then I was creating this kind of jet lag pattern throughout the week and and finding that I just didn't feel good on those days when I giving myself that extra morning sleep where you would think, oh, I'm rested. I got to sleep in a little bit today. I just did not feel good and felt kind of in a fog the entire day. And so by staying more consistent with my morning wake-up time, whether or not I am maybe getting that eight hours in bed, still you know, waking up at the same time every morning, um, even if I had to go to sleep late the night before, even if I don't have an early workout, I still get up. Um, and it really does help. And I feel better and I can tell that I'm better rested. So I think that was the shift that I made was switching from a, I'm going to prioritize seven or eight hours, no matter what to, I'm going to kind of let that go. And I'm just going to be more consistent in my wake up time and let the chips fall where they may and, and try that. And it's kind of counterintuitive. I know, right. Worked a lot better for me. Um, And I, but as someone who, as a sleep coach for parents and families, and I write, Columns on sleep and and do Q and A's. Um, people do not want to wake their kids up. Right. Um, I think there's a kind of a don't wake a sleeping child. Right,
0: exactly. Like let us, um, let the sleeping dog lie type of uh, environment. Right. right,
1: people are. People, I mean, it's it's hard enough when you tell someone, okay, it doesn't matter if you're tired, it doesn't matter if you had problems falling asleep last night. You need to get yourself out of bed. You know, it's hard enough telling people to to do that, but when it comes to telling parents to wake their kids up, there is a lot of resistance. Even though it is the one thing, like if you can just do one thing, wake your child up at the same time every day, yep. or support them in getting up at the same time every day. And believe me, you will not have to worry so much about bedtime um, and things will just be a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, things kind of naturally fall into place. But how, how do you address that? I know oh, you're a parent. I am. Um, and how do you think about that, especially when it comes to teenagers mm-hmm. and older kids um, who right now have the opportunity to sleep all day and some of them are. Right.
0: <laughs> well, so here's the deal. I've got an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old. To be clear, there's nothing fun about having teenagers in your home. Um, it's incredibly difficult to get them to do anything, much less sleeping on the right schedule. The good news in my household is they don't really have a choice. I mean, come on, their father's the sleep doctor, for God's sakes. So right. they they do a very good job of maintaining that schedule. And, and to be fair, it's something that we've instilled with them since they were very young children. Um, both of the, my teenagers are more night owls, um, what I call a wolf, um, and but that's by design. I mean, almost all teenagers are like that. So what do we do? We let them stay up later and we let them sleep in later. As an example, um, today is Wednesday uh, here in Los Angeles and um, their school, which they're still doing online, has a late start on Wednesdays because their school has identified that children do not need to be you know, with their butt in the seat and waking up at, you know, 6 a.m. to in order to get to school by 730 type of thing. Um, so uh, it's actually worked out quite well. Now, granted, we're during a time period where everybody's at home or all the children are at home. Um, but finding that consistent wake up time turns out to be incredibly important. Now, as a, as a side note, this morning was the late uh, school start, but my son still woke up at his normal, I guess it was 6.45. And I heard him in the shower at seven. Um, and he came downstairs and we actually had a really nice breakfast together because he didn't have to go to school for an hour type of thing. I mean, he's online, of course, but the consistency, the point here is, is that we've leveled up his consistency so much that even on days where he can sleep in, he, his body is now recognizing that it does it no longer needs to. Now for parents out there who are thinking, oh gosh, what do I do with my kids if they're staying up late? And at the end of the day you it's time to do some parenting right it's time to be like here's the deal right in my house when if children aren't doing the things that we want them to do we turn off the router okay so there's no internet access all of this time. and everybody turns around and says dad the internet's broken and i say no go to bed right so like i'm that guy I, i'm not nice about it but i know that it will absolutely positively help them and not only their academics Uh, but in their mood stabilization and things like that. Remember, teenagers are moody creatures, okay? The last thing that you want to do is have a a sleep-deprived, moody creature wandering around your house all the time, driving you crazy.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah. And and it's not just about waking your teen up at 6.45 for the sake of it. It's really because when they do wake up earlier, they're naturally... Going to go to bed at a time that works for their body it exactly. was a parent need to be much less involved you're not uh, you don't have to worry about it it just naturally falls into place so that's what we're talking about right we're not exactly. talking about you know banging pots and pans or dragging no, your kid out of. if anything like that. you
0: want to avoid that because it makes it more difficult um like you don't want to be you don't want to associate Waking up in the morning with a bad experience like somebody throwing a glass of water on you or banging pots and pans or pulling the covers off of you, right? That's, I mean, that's old school. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is getting educating your child, having them understand the importance of this. It's not, you don't really care as a parent if your kid is sleeping or isn't sleeping because it doesn't have a dramatic effect on you. You care about it for them. You care about it for their success, for their ability to cognate, for their ability to to move forward in life. And once they start to understand this is like the super secret weapon that can help them get above all of their classmates and do so much better in so many different ways, they have a tendency to climb on board.
1: Right, right. And so for someone whose teenager is maybe sleeping until noon right now, you know, we've been in this boat for about a month or a few weeks, some of us. Mm -hmm. and. People's schedules have gone all over the place. Right. And I've talked to a number of people who have told me that their teens are sleeping till noon or later. Um, so for someone like that, what is something that they can do to move them to a wake-up time that is um, more compatible with being productive during the day or whatever mm-hmm. else they need to do? Because yep. You you don't want to just take them from noon. New- to 6:45. No, so what are what's the first step?
0: So it's there's a there's a lot of different ways that you can go about doing this. Number one, you can actually use light as your to your advantage. So in many people who have teenagers, their rooms are like caves, right? They're super dark, and you know they're in there playing video games and whatnot. So the very first thing that I started doing um, with my children is I actually go in while they're asleep and I open up their blinds so that the natural sunlight can come in and slowly begin to wake them up. Um, this is not me banging around. This is not me saying, oh my God, it's 6.45, you need to be up by now. It's me quietly sneaking in, opening up the blinds, sneaking out, and then starting to see what time they're, they're coming out of, the, out of their room and then talking with them about, it. hey, you know what? For the next five days, I'd like you to be up, be up an hour earlier. So instead of waking up at 11, I want you to start waking up at 10. That doesn't seem like a particularly unreasonable request. Um, and, and in most cases, kids will, will kind of figure that part out. And then you slowly every week move them back by about anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes to get them back to where they were. And again, it's all with the, with the mindset of this is going to be helpful for you. All of your friends aren't doing this, and this is going to allow you to get ahead. It's going to allow you to learn more. And to be fair, it's going to give them more free time um, to be able to do the things that they're probably wanting to do after school, because that way they can, you know, have that opportunity. They've already done all their work and they're up on all their stuff.
1: Right. Yep, absolutely. And, and then you would say kind of continue maybe the following week, moving it another hour. Exactly.
0: Every week you move it an hour until you get there.
1: Okay. Yep. And it really, I, and I have, Um, kids that are a little bit younger and, and it can be waking your kids up. I mean, some people, there's a lot of resistance to this idea of waking your kids up, especially when you don't necessarily have to be anywhere. Um, And we think, well, they need the sleep. They, um, but even with a younger kid, it can be fun. So my, my kids have Alexa, Amazon Alexas in Mm -hmm. their rooms um, and they use those as their alarm clock. And so my six-year-old, we've been doing this thing with him where he's like, mom, tomorrow, I want you to wake me up to Japanese music. So I, I will just connect. I'll stream some Japanese music to his room and that wakes him up. Or he'll say, I want um, Caribbean music or I want, uh," you know, and I, I have no idea why or where he comes up with these, but he has these little requests. And so then his sisters and I will kind of have fun with like picking out a song that we will send to his um, alarm clock and just, Make him um, start his day with some kind of music that he's either requested or will surprise. That's awesome, him. though, because uh, now
0: you're you're like together. You're planning your mornings, so he you've you've right. got him bought into this whole idea, and that's exactly the type of thing that we're looking for. So so maybe it's if you get up at the right time, I'm going to make you your favorite breakfast, or I'm going to play your favorite music, or you can spend 15 minutes talking to your best friend, boyfriend, girlfriend, or walk the dog, or you know whatever the treat is get them there. I love that idea.
1: Right. Right. And getting and giving kids ownership. And I'm not I'm not advocating for Amazon or Alexa or anything like that. But one of the reasons that I like using the Echo Dot as an alarm clock for kids is it gives them ownership. So they don't they do not have to be able to set an alarm to be able to use it because it's completely voiced. So they just any of my kids can just set their own alarm clock. And I find that giving them ownership of it as much as possible kind of um, creates a lot more buy-in. So it's not just something that I want them to do. It becomes something that they can um, do, that they're in charge of, um, and they are bought in and they enjoy that, that independence. And I mean, everyone, just to set a typical radio alarm clock or even a phone, is um, kind of something that I wouldn't charge my, my six-year-old with doing. Um, but he can handle a voice, a completely um, voice system um, like the Echo Dot. So it, it works pretty well to give him ownership. Um, so I, um, I wanted to talk about um, about supplements and particularly melatonin. Um, can you talk a bit about what's emerging with the research around coronavirus and melatonin. And obviously this is an emerging area of research and it may change, Um, but what might people want to know right now about what the research is saying about melatonin um, and how it might affect our immune system with uh, regard to coronavirus? Sure.
0: So um, this is actually uh, very new information um, that we're just compiling together. So my, but the first thing I wanna give everybody is a little bit of a warning um, that we are in a very uh, new time for looking at something like this. Um, and this is a complicated relationship. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna explain several things. Um, I'm a, I'll be releasing a blog um, later, uh, probably next week that will give a lot of this information in, in more detail. Um, but here's the basics behind it is We know that melatonin um, does a lot of different things for the body. We've historically thought about it as a circadian pacemaker, but it actually um, has the capacity to actually hold inflammation in check um, and to actually uh, restrain immune activity, which has brought it sort of into the spotlight. So you're thinking, wait a second, melatonin can hold my immune function and my inflammation in check. Is that something that I want to do? Um, so, point number two is that melatonin actually reduces an inflammation producing protein or what's called a cytokine, um, which is going to be important because um, when there's too much inflammation, so when your body overreacts, uh, it can cause pneumonia and it can cause lung dysfunction in particular. So, mel- what we want is we want the, a balance production of, this, of these cytokine proteins that melatonin influences. Right, And so here's where it gets really interesting is that the balance becomes off in a situation like COVID-19. The body inflames too much, and then a person will end up with pneumonia and lung damage. So what we are now starting to understand is that inside of the whole, um, inside your body, COVID-19 activates something called an inflammasome called NLRP3. This turns out to be the trigger for this whole situation, which is called a cytokine storm, which leads to lung problems. So guess what? Melatonin inhibits this NLRP3 inflammasome, and it may show some value in fighting off COVID. So there's been three animal studies to show that melatonin's ability to suppress the activation of NLRP3 have actually been found to counteract this severe inflammatory response lower the production of pro-inflammatory cytokines and lower infiltration of immune cells into lungs and reduce lung tissue injury. To be clear, this has only been shown in animals so far. This is animal research. Now, some of that can be uh, thought about as, as you know moving forward with humans, but we are, we're not 100% there yet. So people do not need to go running out and grab you know giant dosages of melatonin. That being said, There are a lot of things that people need to understand and that there are risks and side effects um, that come with melatonin, everything from low blood pressure, headache, diarrhea, um, crazy dreams, especially if you're overdosing. Uh, The appropriate dose of melatonin as a general guideline um, for long-term daily dosing is somewhere between a third and a half a milligram a day. Now, to be fair, 99% of the melatonin that's sold is sold in overdosage formats, so you may have to look for um, different types of melatonin. I'll give you an example of the melatonin that I've used um, and that I would prescribe for my family. Um, it's called Herbatonin. Uh, it's made from a grass. So it's 100% organic and it comes in the correct dosages. Um, so when you're thinking about something like COVID-19 and you want some form of like potential protection from it, I would argue that melatonin is probably not a bad thing to consider taking um, about 30 minutes before bed, maybe an hour before bed. People who should not take melatonin, to be clear, should not take melatonin are women who are pregnant or women who are breastfeeding, people with bleeding disorders, people with depression, diabetes, high blood pressure, seizure disorders, or transplant recipients, and I'll tell you why. Melatonin can also be a blood thinner. So we don't need those people having thinner blood right now. Um, That would not be very helpful for them. Um, So if you're in one of those categories, melatonin is probably not for you. If you are in one of those categories, if if you're not in one of those categories, then I wouldn't think it would be a bad idea for you to consider doing that. To be clear, however, if you wanna get the greatest effect, um, there was one Italian journal that showed um, that if you include vitamin C or what's called ascorbic acid, with it, you can actually increase the effectiveness. So what am I saying? Bottom line, melatonin may help stop that crazy inflammation response or what we call the cytokine storm. And it may be effective to do that by taking a half a milligram of melatonin along with vitamin C in the evenings, approximately 30 to 60 minutes before bed. To be clear, this is on all based. these recommendations are based on animal data alone. I have no idea if it's going to be effective for humans. However, it doesn't seem like a bad idea <laughs> if you're doing this. Again, to be clear, I listed off the group of people that should not take melatonin. I want to add one more group of people to that list. Those are people who would take ACE inhibitors. Um, they may have a cardiac condition like hypertension. Melatonin, again, does not react well with hypertension medication. Was that helpful?
1: Yes, it was. Thank you. Um, Thanks so much. You explained that really well. And that is something that I think a lot of people will be interested in. And thanks also for that recommendation. Um, And what was the, can you repeat one more time, the brand of melatonin that you um, use and recommend? It's called
0: Herbatonin. And uh, you know what I'll do is I'll send you the link to it, and then you can send it out uh, with the show notes or, or what you want.
1: Okay. Sounds right. good. And so as we wrap up, um, I just want to close with what's something that, um, what's the, the top thing that you would recommend that people can mm-hmm. do in these stressful times to sleep well and, and stay well, if they can only do one thing or, um, if, if everything just feels overwhelming, what's one thing that they. No can problem.
0: Do? So I'm not going to give them one thing. I'm going to give them a couple. But I think there's some things that they can do very easily. So the number one thing, and we've said it before, keep a consistent wake up time right? and avoid napping during the day. If you don't do anything but keep a consistent wake up time and avoid napping during the day and get up right at your normal wake up time. Make it consistent, but make it your normal time. I think you'll have a great, great response here. Um, other things that you can do. The one thing that we didn't discuss that, uh, that we should is alcohol consumption. Um, most people don't know this, but alcohol directly affects your immune system in a negative way. So, you know, just because you're at home and you've got, you know, seven, several bottles of wine does not mean you need to be opening them and drinking them on a regular basis. Also, remember, alcohol affects the quality of your sleep. Remember, we want high quality sleep right now. So the big thing that I'm telling people is I don't have a problem if you drink a glass of wine. Uh, maybe two, but anything of, other than that, you're pro- you need to stay away from it and you need to give yourself two glasses of water and two hours before you go to sleep after you finish that glass of wine so it doesn't have those sleep effects.
1: All right, thank you. That's that's good advice. And where can people find more information about you or your courses, books, and all of that?
0: Absolutely, so I'm easy to find. People can find me at www.the.com. That's T H E sleep, doctor, all spelled out.com. And um, if you want more information on COVID in particular, um, if you do there, you just do a forward slash um, and it's sleep hyphen pandemic, and it'll bring you right to the page with all kinds of good stuff, but we'll include all these links in the show notes for you as well.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. Thanks for sharing your time and, Stay well. You too.
0: Wishing everybody sweet dreams and staying safe. This is Dr. Michael Bruce, the sleep doctor.
1: Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to my first episode. I hope we've highlighted some ways you can support sleep and health, get back on track during times of stress, and keep your immune system strong. The links that we've mentioned are in the show notes for this episode. If you have questions about sleep that you'd like me to address in a future episode, please get in touch at malia at sleepwellstable.com. My next episode will feature an expert in mindfulness and trauma-informed therapy to help us With anxiety and its effects on our health and habits. I cannot wait for you to hear it. Until then, please sleep well and stay well. Bye bye. It's the Sleep Well, Stay Well podcast. Now you know. Thanks for
0: checking out the show.